Hills United Methodist Church. I am David White, Director of Music here at the church. Um, Don, our pastor, Don Flowers, is not with us this morning. Um, Don is at home uh, isolating and taking care of the rest of her family. All four members of the family other than Don tested positive for COVID this week and have various symptoms. Um, degrees of being ill. So Dawn is home with them. She is the only one of the five of them that has not tested positive. But uh, she's home taking care of them and isolating from us. So um, this morning we have a, a guest minister with us, Frank Newell. Frank is um, an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church here in Mississippi, the Mississippi Conference. He has known Dawn since college days when she was on staff at the Wesley Foundation at USM, and he was a student. So we welcome you this morning to Parkway Hills. I have a couple of announcements. Um, because of the, the rampant COVID that we have in the uh, community and uh, the country, it's, it's hit the church pretty hard the last few days. Several children um, and youth have come down with it or have at least tested positive. That's why we wound up making the decision to cancel children and youth Sunday school this morning and even in adult classes didn't meet. Most of them actually met by Zoom and will continue to have that option. Our plan right now is to resume uh, with children and youth Sunday school next week as regular. But in case that changes, if you will just pay attention to our newsletter when it comes out this week and social media as you know, things change. But as of right now, we are planning to go back to normal schedule next week. There will be no youth activities tonight um, because of this. And also, there's a scheduled trustee meeting tonight. It has been canceled and will be rescheduled. So be looking for that as well. Um, before we start going further, I'm going to ask um, our usher if he'll pass out our uh, registration pads as those are being passed out if you'll sign in your attendance and pass it down to each other. Are there any other announcements that need to be made at this time? Does anyone know of anything? All right. Well, we welcome you this morning. Hopefully you're staying safe and, and, and staying away from this. We do strongly encourage you here at the church to wear your mask during worship. We appreciate that. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds for worship God this day.
Joe. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 71, 1 through 6. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Would you please stand together and take your bulletin and join me as we read together our opening prayer. Please stand. New every morning is your love, great God of light, and all day long you are working for good in our world. Stir up in us a desire to serve you, to live peacefully with our neighbors and all your creation, and to devote each day to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you now to take a hymnal and turn to hymn number 117 as we sing, O God, Our Help in Ages Past, followed by the praise chorus found in your bulletin. Hymn number 117.
the children. I believe I see Grayson back there. Come up here and meet with Mr. Drew. Grayson, you want to come up? He's busy. Come on, Grayson. <laughs> Well, good morning. This morning, our gospel lesson, our, our scripture lesson, that is, is coming from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 21 through 30. And I invite you to hear these words of the Lord. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you'll quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in a prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except the widow as a Pharaoh in Sidon. There was also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naam the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, they drove him out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and everlasting Lord, as we are blessed through the hearing, the reading, and now the proclamation of your word, may you find the meditation of all our hearts and our minds acceptable unto you. May we be open to receive your message. 
And may the words I speak be not my words, but your words, Lord, and only my voice. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So when Don contacted me asking if I could uh, preach for her, I said, sure. And I asked her, you know, do you have any, you know, series that you're in or anything? She said, yeah, we started a series, When the New Scares Us. And I'm thinking, well, that's really appropriate, seeing how I've never filled in for Don. So she's probably watching right now, really nervous, like, oh, Lord, what's he going to say? So, hey, listen, she's just as scared as you are for what's going to, you know. But, you know, newness scares us. You know, we, you know, make me nervous. You know, this is the first time I've ever preached in this, con in this, uh, see, I'm so nervous, my words aren't going to come out right half the time. So y'all have to bear with me. But this is my first time to preach here. But I'm looking forward to it because, you know, while new scares us, we can learn from new. We grow in newness. And when we overcome our fear of the new, we find great things happening in our lives. Just last month, we celebrated Christmas. In the Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of Jesus in the manger with Mary and Joseph. And then December 26 happens, and we're already on Valentine's Day. Everybody got your Valentine's candy ready for this month coming up? All right, good, making sure. All right. Oh, and by the way, just to let you all know, I'm a full participatory pastor. If I say, you know, raise your hand, go ahead, raise your hand, you know. Now, understand, though, when you raise your hand, you are confessing, and so be careful if you really want to make that confession because the person next to you may look at you like, oh, really? So, you know, just letting you know. But we're getting ready, you know, for Valentine's, and then... Uh, down on the coast, they're getting ready for Mardi Gras and, you know, all these seasons. But, but Christmas, something about that season and the season of newness, of new life, because Christmas is about the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And as I was looking at the scripture lesson, you know, I was like, now how, how do you preach something about Jesus in his hometown, giving this great message, and everybody at first is like, oh, look at there. That's Joseph's boy. Aren't we so proud? And then go from there to, let's kill him. <laughs> now, for some of you who are parents, you may understand that a lot better, you know, because, you know, parenting can be, what I understand, rough. I mean, now, disclaimer uh, or full admission, which, whichever, however I need to say it, uh, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. All I know is what my friends who are parents have told me and, and things that I have witnessed. But, but, but apparently, parenting can be very rough. And for folks like me, we don't really fully understand that at times because when we see a baby, a nice little cute baby, you know, like, oh, and it's so cute and they look so precious and everything. And in and, and churches that I've served, have had, there's a church that's had daycare. And, and, and y'all, I knew it was going to not be a good idea. But the conference did it anyway. They appointed me to a church with a daycare, and they had babies. And I was like, hey, cool. So I got to hang out with the, with the babies and the kids and high-fiving and fist-bumping. And every now and then, I'm like, like, look, preacher, you got to go. You know, I'm like, well, my job is to stir the pot and then leave them to y'all, you know. You know, like, yeah, that's the problem. You do that too much. But, but I, I loved hanging out with the kids, and, and I loved watching them grow and, and seeing how their little eyes would light up when they learned new stuff. Uh, you know, the two-year-olds when they're learning their letters and, and numbers and, and the five-year-olds when they're, you know, starting to put words together and getting ready for kindergarten. And, and then the little infants, you know, when they start figuring things out. And it, it's just so fun. And, and, and I stop and I wonder, what will this child be like 10, 15, 20 years from now? And, and, and you know, it's, it's all this cool stuff that I think about. And I'll tell parents that, like, you know, when I see you little, I wonder what they're going to be like. I bet they're going to be a doctor or they'll be an engineer or, or this is definitely going to be a lawyer or a president. You know, the one with the lawyer, oh, man, there's one little girl. I call her Bossy. Because Bossy tells you how it is. And if you try to tell him Bossy no, she'll explain to you why it's going to be the way it is. You're just like, yes, ma'am, Bossy. Oh, and she wears it with a badge of honor. If I try calling her real name, Gianna, she's like, uh-uh, I'm Bossy. Yes, ma'am. You know. I love these kids, but and when I tell the parents about how I love them, and, these, and they're like, <laughs> "In that nice preacher, you don't see them at home." And I'm like, mm. you know, because that's the thing, you know, people don't always know, or they may not think about, or well, some of y'all who were parents, you know, who your, your children have grown up, you choose to forget is is while they may maybe seem all cute and cuddly and precious, there's the other side. 
there's the thing that, you know, I've heard parents say, and I just can't believe they would say this about their precious bundle of joy. They say they're selfish. You know, they're always, you know, crying and fussing over every little thing. You know, when they're hungry, they cry. When they're tired, they cry. When they poo, they cry. When they're sick, they cry. When they're scared, they cry. When they're bored, they cry. They're always crying. And, and some parents say, I'm convinced it's not because of any of this is actually real. It's just they're testing the waters to see just how close to crazy they can drive me before pushing me over the edge. I'm like, ooh, all right then. Okay. But the reality is, this world is big and scary to a baby. You know, to a baby, everything is new. Everything is wow. And, and, and so they need help. You know, they, they need help in taking care of everything. I mean, when they're hungry, they don't know that they can just grab mama's cell phone and get, do DoorDash or Grubhub and have, you know, applesauce and fat-free, calorie-free oat milk delivered to them from Primo's. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Some of the kids are like, huh, I can do that? No. Kids, do not get mama's cell phone and order anything from DoorDash or Grubhub without permission, okay? Don't get, the, don't get the preacher, you know, in trouble here. Babies don't know that. All they know is, I'm hungry, I'm sick, I'm scared, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm feeling, but, but I need some love. I need somebody to come and take care of me. And cue the parents, cue the grandparents, cue the, well, I was going to say cue the uncles, because I am an uncle. But my sister-in-law said, you know, you're really good. My sister-in-law tells me, you know, Frank, you're really good with the boys. Especially good at riling them up and then leaving them to me. Hey, I'm the fun uncle. What can I say? But, you know, we, we want to care for them. We want to teach them. We want them to grow. We want them to know that they are loved and cared for. And as we do that, we then kind of go back to those thoughts of what is this child going to be like? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph when they are sitting there in the manger after all that fun of labor and birth was all said and done with? You know, ladies, don't, don't hate me too much. Like I said, I'm a guy. I don't understand all that. But, but when, the, when Mary and Joseph are sitting there looking at Jesus and like, oh, wow. You know, this is God's son that God's entrusted us to. I, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder how he's going to grow up. I wonder what he's going to do. I mean, for all you parents in the room, don't you look at your kids and wonder what they're going to do, how they're going to grow up? You know, my dad wonders that all the time. He looks at me and says, I wonder, when are you going to grow up and what are you going to do? No. But seriously, we look at kids and we wonder what potential they have. How are they going to live into that potential? How are they going to grow? Growing fully into the potential that they have. And how will they change the world? I know that gets said a lot, you know, how to change the world. You know, we should look to change the world, and, and it can become so cliche, like, oh, yes, change the world. But really, when we live a life full of God's grace, following where the Lord leads us, we can really change the world. Because we will never fully understand the far-reaching effects that we have on the lives of one another. I will never fully understand how some of you may react to this sermon I'm preaching. How you receive this message and share this message. And you'll never understand and fully know how you sharing the message you've heard from me will impact somebody and how they will share and so on and so forth. That ripple effect. But it happens. And we look forward to that. We want people to live fully into their potentials because we want the world to change. And especially, I think we can all agree right now, we really want the world to change. We want to see more harmony. We want to see more unity. We want to see folks getting along better. That don't mean everybody has to agree on everything, but we want people to at least be agreeable when they disagree. And Lord knows we want to see the world healthier. I mean, raise your hand. Who's ready for COVID to be over with? There we go. Uh, one, at least one time I was going to make you raise your hand. We want to see this. And we know that this can happen when we fully live in potential. But sometimes living in potential scares us. It scares us when we fully live into our potential because that means sometimes we've got to go against the norm. We've got to go against the grain. And that's what we see in Luke's gospel here. 
as Christ has gone home and, and he went to the synagogue and as he stood up and he read the words from Isaiah and, and said, now today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, all the people spoke well of him. They're like, that's our boy, that, that, you know, Joseph's boy, Jesus, that, he's ours. He is ours. Yeah. And, and I love the children's message this morning. I thought that was great. You know, like, we heard what you did in Capernaum. Do it here. You know, give us the good Kool-Aid. And Jesus like, nah, not going to happen. All right, we thought this was uh, a good thing. Uh, son, you want to explain yourself? I mean, we've helped raise you. We, we've helped learn you up. You know, we, we sent you out into the world. Now it's your turn to come back and do for us. And Jesus had to remind them, it's, it's not about what you're getting out of the deal, but what are you giving? You know, how are you giving love? How are you giving grace? And we're hit with that question of how you are giving and what are you giving when Jesus tells them, you know, you will say to me, Dr. Cure yourself, do hear what you did in, with things we heard you in Capernaum, but truly I tell you, a prophet is, accept, is not accepted in a prophet's hometown. You see, you're looking at, at me as this great, wonderful dispensary of, of, of self-joy. You're looking at me as this great, wonderful dispensary of, of, okay, we did for you, now it's your time to do for us and see what we can take from you. But really, Christ didn't come to be taken from. Christ came to give and to give to all who would accept. Sometimes accepting is scary. Because to accept means that you have to see things may be a little different than what you thought. Things may not always be what you expect and, and what you thought they should be. Because with Christ, as Christ is so good at doing, he changes lives. He changes the world. He'll remind them in history that, you know, the, the two wonderful prophets that everybody would know of, Elijah, and he would tell about Elijah and healing and the, the widow at Zephrath who was facing death. She was, when Elijah saw her, he, what are you doing? Well, I'm gathering sticks to make a fire and use the last of the flour and the oil to cook a cake for me and my child before we die. He said, listen, Go home, make me a cake, bring it to me, and then make something for you and your child, and, and, and everything will be okay. Facing death. In, in, in all common knowledge, in all rational thought, that makes no sense. Is they're like, look, dude, I don't know who you are, and I need to take care of me and mine. You know, one of the things that I enjoy is uh, I've had the opportunity to be a volunteer firefighter and EMT, and, and in both my fire training and my medical training, the number one rule is you take care of yourself first. You can't take care of anybody else unless you first take care of you. But here we see this rule being broken, and she'll trust. And while facing her own death, she will trust that this prophet can do for her. And she was blessed. For while there was no rain, she had plenty of flour and oil. It never went slack until the rains came again. She was provided for. But she had to do something scary. She had to do something scary and, and facing death decides, you know what, I will trust. Elisha, as Christ will quote, heals Nahum of leprosy. And Nahum in 2 Kings chapter 5, he was this commander of the armies of Aram. And, and he had leprosy and, and he wanted to be made well. So uh, a, a young girl that they took from uh, Israel and who became his wife's servant said, Look, if my master will but go and see the prophet in Samaria, he can cure him. So he goes and you know, to the king, and the king says, sure, go, try, we, we got to get you well, dude. You know, you're my, you're my best general, absolutely. And so he goes, and, and the king of Israel is like, what, they're trying to get me into a trap? Like, come on, Elisha, here's it, like, why are you tearing your robes and acting all up? Great, don't worry about it, just send them to me. So Nahum will go, and 
Elisha doesn't even go out. He just says, yeah, go outside and tell that fella, go, go wash seven times. And he gets all bent out of shape about it. He's like, now, he could have at least come out and seen me and, you know, and throwing a fit in one of his servants. They're like, dude, calm down. If he told you to do something big and great, wouldn't you have done it? Well, yeah. Well, okay, go wash. Do what he says. So he'll do it, and he'll see he's healed. He's clean. He's cured. You know, it's sometimes the little things thinking that we're not doing enough. We're scared that we're not doing enough. We're not giving enough. But it's the little things that can change. It's those little things that can make an impact. Think of a little thing such as giving $5 to somebody who's hungry, wanting a couple of pieces of chicken, standing at Walmart praying that somebody will give them some food, how that can change their life. It's the little things such as these quilts that we will be blessing later in, 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 the, in the service here, how giving to a child may change that child's life for the positive as they're experiencing a moment in time that is scary. New can scare us. It can drive us into this place of fear that, that we, we become defensive because if some, we have to do something new, that means we have to give up something that we're familiar with, something that we know that we can control. And when we have to give up that control, we, we're like, mm -mm, mm -mm, I don't like this. Because how many of us just love to be uh, guided every day and not have to make any decisions because you don't want to have any control over your life whatsoever? How many of us like that? Raise your hand. Yeah, even the kids aren't raising their hand because even the kids who are told what to do by parents, they're like, I do like to decide sometime. I mean... I may want Crunchberry Captain Crunch this morning instead of Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. You know, we all want to be able to make a decision in choices in life. And told that we don't have a choice can scare us. But what's even scarier is when we realize that when we are called to do something new, like live in our faith, when we are called to the newness of faith and faith is new every morning because new every morning we experience God's mercies and God's grace and God's calling in our lives when we decide to give up our self our self-will and and willfulness and willingly follow grace it may be scary but we see where it's changing the world we see where we are truly being the hands and feet of Christ. And we'll see who else is truly wanting to follow. Because when we follow in God's will, when we willfully follow where God is calling us to serve, it will make people upset. It will make people angry. Sometimes the number one fear of people wanting to help the homeless is the fear of, well, if we help these homeless, then more homeless people will come. That just means we have more opportunity to love and serve. Or, or the fear is if we change our habits and, and, and the way we, we live and what we do, how we look at energy, energy, not energy, the company, but energy as a whole, and, and change our lights from incandescent to LEDs, what else will we have to give up? Yeah, but think about the greenness of the earth and the earth healing. You know, new ways to, to live in and discover energy. But we'll see people upset. We'll see people mad. We'll see people get so viciously angry that they start going to a place of extreme hatred, and that is death. The people who were, who were just mere seconds ago were saying, oh, this is Joseph, yeah, this is, this is a hometown boy doing good, are now the same people saying, all right, it's time to kill him. It's time to get rid of him. We, we, we can't have this, you know. And they're going to lead him to the brow of the hill, and, and all of a sudden... You get this big climactic event. You're like, Ooh, you know, the first time you hear the scripture and really hear it, you're like, Ooh, what's he going to do to Jesus? What's going to happen? But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. It, what? If they made a Hollywood movie like this, everybody would probably demand their money back. It's like, wait, wait, he just walks through them? Yeah, 
It's really anticlimactic. But it's really graceful. That instead of calling down the fires on the people for being angry with him, instead of you know, cursing them, instead of this, that, or the other to the people, he just passes through the midst of them and goes on his way. Goes on his way to find those who are willing to experience something new. Goes on his way to find those who are willing to receive a message of hope and grace and receive it in such a way that they see their life anew. They see the way they're living their life and saying, "What well, I want to live my life in a new way, a different way. It may be a little scary, but I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to go for it. As I was preparing uh, the sermon and I stopped off in, uh, at the Starbucks here in Madison and looking over everything, and, and you know, it's just like God's wonderful... Uh, not really sense of humor, but, but God's wonderful way of, of making Scripture come alive. When I walked in, there was this family, and they had this beautiful little baby with them. And as I was there, there was a couple of fathers who came in with their young sons and you know, spending some daddy quality time with their sons. And, and then lastly came in this uh, group of, of young ladies. They, it was a Disciple Now weekend, and I, and I just got to wondering, you know, you know, seeing a baby, seeing young children, seeing these, you know, these teenagers. And so I went to their leader and I said to, I asked him, I said, are y'all doing a Disciple Now weekend? And I'm like, yeah, we are. I said, so as you're doing this Disciple Now weekend, what do you hope for, for, these, for these girls that you have spent the weekend with? And these two leaders, their eyes just lit up. And I, cause I said, and I explained to them, look, I'm a preacher and everything. And I wanted no right or wrong answer, but their eyes lit up and they said, well, the biggest thing is, one of them like, I want them to grow in their faith. And the other one says, and I, and I want them to follow Jesus. And, and then one of them said, and I want them to lean into each other. And the, and, and the other lady looked at it like, oh yeah, absolutely. They want them to grow in faith. They want them to follow where the Spirit leads. And they want them to lean into each other. Well, what if growing in faith means that They've got to grow up and do something different than what's expected of them. What if, you know, following the Holy Spirit and leaning into one another means that they have to call their friends accountable to faith so that they can live more faithfully, be in the hands and feet of Christ? And we can ask what if questions all day long, but really the questions are, where are we Growing in faith and calling others to grow in faith. To be willing to go against the grain, to go against the norm. Knowing that sometimes true growth happens when there is struggle, when there is that fleshing out of what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. Where are we being that community of faith? And, and, and not just doing the same things over and over again because that's the way we've always done it, but looking and seeing how can we be faithful and where do we need to change what we're doing to continue to be faithful, to continue to reach out, to continue to be the hands and feet of Christ and continuing to grow in our faith even though it may scare us because we're doing something different. These are questions we need to ask ourselves. Because when we choose to step out on faith and acknowledging that it can be scary at times, we're also choosing to take up our cross and to follow Jesus in a new way. New every morning, living into our faith. New every morning, seeing where God's grace is moving. And while it can be scary, we know that Christ our Lord goes with us, leading us, guiding us, no matter how angry the world may be around us, we still move through with grace. We still move through with the peace of Christ, knowing that we are not alone. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, in the self-giving love of Christ, you have revealed the path of salvation. And while it sometimes may scare us, Lord, we pray that we have the courage to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, that cross of discipleship, and that we may live our lives without fear and receive the joy of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Brother Frank. Thank you so very much for those words. I think they were something we all needed to hear. Uh, things do scare us when they're new. But in Christ, uh, we can be brave. You know, when I look out there this morning, I, lo I looked at my thermometer, and it said 20-something degrees. It would have been a good day to just curl up with a book. But you know, I said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, cold or not. So I want you to join with me as we pray. Holy God, we come before you in prayer this morning, lifting to you the joys and concerns of our lives, the hopes and the dreams of our lives and those of our children. You told us that we are yours. Because we are yours, may we be open to your voice in our lives that we may see with new eyes and hear with new ears the direction you'll have us go. As we sit in our comfortable places here, our lives have complications and pain, but we were made in your image and your spirit breathed life into us. And we give thanks that as each new day begins, that we can step into your love and grace to experience hope in your goodness. And with the end of that day, we can then release all that we have left undone into your caring hands. Lord, we give thanks that you always remember us, you hear us, and you love us. Hear our prayers now for those whose lives have touched us. Those who are in pain, those who are ill, those who are grieving, those who are hungry or unsure of their next step in life. Those who are stuck in cycles of violence and those who just need a new morning to break through with your goodness. Right now, we want you to hear our prayers for those that we lift to you either silently or aloud. We want to lift our own pastor and her family and feel free to voice those that are on your heart right now. As we have these in our hearts, may we be present to touch their lives, not only through our prayers, but through our actions as well. So as we pray today, help us to be more like you. Help us to remember that which is important, the way you breathed life into dust and said it was good. Help us to remember the way of Jesus. Help us to remember that with each new day that you're at work among us. Lord, just fill our minds with you and our hearts with hope so that we may continue to build your kingdom here. We offer these petitions and give thanks in the precious name of the one who loved us and taught us to say, pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom will come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our closing hymn is hymn number 133, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. I ask you to stand together as we sing. Hymn number 133. Please sing. So Don has given me the, the great pleasure and joy of blessing these quilts this morning. Uh, you know, this is always a fun thing pastors can do whenever we have special moments. And I, I'm just so grateful Don is so selfless to let me do this because I'm very selfish. I wouldn't have done this. You know, I would say, I'll wait till my time. But she has allowed me to do this. And, and this is such a great ministry. Uh, uh, the quilting group meets every Monday. Uh, the quilts they have made over the years have been given to children in distress and to, and to offer prayers on their behalf. This group has made and donated over 700 quilts to children in Mississippi. That is extremely great. And this morning we're blessing 12 quilts today uh, that Southern Christian Services and Catholic Charities will give to children experiencing trauma. And because of COVID, this group, you know, like all the groups have not been able to meet regularly but they have made 43 quilts in the brief time they resumed, twice as many as they recorded in each of the previous three years. Uh, it's a very faithful, talented, and dedicated group, and, and truly this is a blessing that is being shared, and, and a blessing of this congregation and being the hands and feet of Christ. So thank you to the, to the quilting group, and I invite you to join with me in the blessing of these quilts. Almighty God, you bring comfort and help to the distressed, using us as the hands and feet of Christ. We ask that you pour out your holy blessings on these quilts that we'll be giving. We ask your blessings for all those who use their talents to create these beautiful messages of love to children all over Mississippi who need your grace and comfort. Bless these quilts wherever they may be used, that they may provide warmth and security to children who experience the tragedy of trauma. May all who receive these quilts be wrapped in your love and care like a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings. May they also encounter your grace and peace and learn the joy of Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. And now uh, you may rise for our benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord give you the power and the peace to do the missions and ministries that you are called to do. And may you do so without fear. Even though it may be scary, know that as you go living and following the Holy Spirit, Christ is always with you. Amen. Amen.